Hello. Hello. Oh. oh, wow. That was loud. Hello. We're still figuring we're still figuring this shit out. We're going to work it out though. It's it's all happening. It's life. Welcome to uh episode 2 of our time together. We still don't have a name, y'all. We're fucking up. But um we're trying. I don't think kind we of. need to be defined in order to be I know, but okay, yes. I'm just going to say we're trying and I think trying is actually enough because we got a lot of shit going on. There's so much going on. Where do we but begin? But it's okay. I'm, yeah. Okay, let's begin. Today, we would love to talk about uh, an extension of the work, kind of like what we talked about the first episode. But in addition to that, I would also love to talk as well about um, healing. What does healing look like? Uh, when you know you're healed and you figured it all out and you're like a guru monk sitting on the top of a mountain because you got your shit together and you're good. Well, if that's <laughs> the goal, I'm hanging out now. Yeah. I'm joking. Let's go. Let's get out of here. I just want to be free. I just want to feel peace. Don't, the hell? Don't we all? <clears throat> wow, my voice is still gone. So we went to Disneyland yesterday. No, the day before. Tuesday. It was a Tuesday and we all took the day off and... Uh, we took all the kids to Disneyland and it was, it was kind of insane. A lot of takeaways going to Disneyland as an adult for sure. But I think both of our voices are still coming back from screaming, don't go over there. Don't go over here. Get over here. It's so funny when you talk about that. I just, I think I lost my voice on the roller coaster. Oh, <laughs> that's right. We got one minute as an adult away from all the kids. One minute. It was worth it. Plus like the 45 minute line. Fuck yeah. Send it. Even Disneyland <laughs> taught us to be present with each other. It's so real. It's so true. So let's let's talk more about the work. We'll start there. Actually, at Disneyland, we did the Whoa. work. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> How so? I found myself many times wanting to react to people's needs and emotions mm. and being aware of just that emotion coming up and not reacting with impulsivity or anger um, is what I'm referring to. Right. Yeah, I mean, with a lot going on, we had a big group. Um, everyone did have a lot of needs, and it seemed like we weren't all taking a bathroom break at the same time, so that definitely complicated things. And then with kids and hunger and peeing, and then all of a sudden, we got to California Adventure, and grownups want to drink, so that's like a whole other basket of toys. So yeah, there's quite a bit of patience that comes with that, and and I think like Part of the work is using life experiences every day, like, okay, what's on the docket today? Whether you have a client meeting here, a phone call there, blah, 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 or you decide to take your kids out of school and go to Disneyland, or you decide to spend a whole day with like one of your parents or something. Like, there are always moments in every single day that we get the opportunity to do the work. And if we're willing to um, show up in those moments and embrace what we're actually experiencing and become fully aware of it, there's learning opportunities everywhere like every interaction that we have we can have a profound experience of like 
how am I contributing to this? What is this bringing up for me? What does this mean to me? What story am I creating? And et cetera, et cetera. And just start to interact with life that way. And then your life is like a valuable box of beautiful wrapped gifts with eucalyptus on top. That sounds nice. Yeah, mm. I find I have this patterning around a story that because I've shared this with you before that what since I'm a mom like people don't understand what I'm going through and even if there's people to support like at Disneyland there were so many adults to ratio of kids um I find myself still being like well I'm obviously the parent so I'm solely responsible for what's going on and what I'm working on right now is just not having to always take things on myself 100% of the time and so that was for me a really interesting experience because I had to surrender to what was going on because at the end of the day, I wasn't in control even of, I mean, I'm not in control of anyone but myself and my reactions. And so I was constantly reminded of that when there were unmet needs that were my kids and yeah, there's other people supporting, but at the end of the day, if like, my kids compromise. It's my responsibility. And I live with that narrative a lot and just working towards not having it like, um, paralyze me. Oh, so what you're saying is the same shit that shows up in the other areas of your life shows up there too. Like you can't escape the work. And if you want to do it, you could just do it and we could do it all the time. Yeah. Yes. It's letting, it's letting go of control. That's what it is. It's like, I need to be the one to do this and I need to be the one, but yet you look around and everyone there is supporting you. All the resources are there, but yet we still have that same way of thinking. And that's like, you know, embedded it's ingrained so deeply. I mean, we hear it so much, but it's like the grooves of a record or, um, like if you're a skier, you know, with moguls, people go around the moguls over and over and over and they create these deep grooves so that, uh, it's kind of hard to go a different pathway when you've been going that same way consistently. And I think both you and I relish in sharing our control freak type A psycho brains where it doesn't even matter what area of your life you show up to. You're going to find the same shit if you haven't fully worked that shit out. And who's to say that fully working that shit out is our assignment in this lifetime anyway? You know, like maybe we're supposed to run circles and chase our tails our whole life. I hope not. But I'd be down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, and <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could keep going in circles, sure. But I also think that that's kind of like the conversation of karmic path and stuff. I think that around that, I mean, there's a lot. I I mainly think that even if we are aware of our areas of opportunity, it's not like from day to night. Your, your response changes. And so in my opinion, the work is constantly applying your awareness to real life experiences and remembering that you have that choice over an emotional reaction that may not serve the situation or you at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what we talked about, I think on our last episode of just that you don't have to choose it once. You have to choose it every time because of how easy it is to go down the opposite path. 
So like if you have something that's really present for you, maybe it's been present your whole life and then all of a sudden you're starting to invite in multiple um, perceptual positions on what that thing is and now you're becoming more of aware of its presence and how it's affecting your life, the choice even becomes harder because you're like looking at two different paths every time you wake up in your shit and you're like, do I want to go this way or do I want to go this way? This way is going to be a lot easier, but that way is going to be harder, but it's definitely going to help me long term. So what do I do? Oh, I don't know. I'm tired. Let's just go this way. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're our own worst enemies. Well, yeah, because we think everything revolves around us when it doesn't. Yeah. Right. For sure. And like for right. me, Disneyland was was that, by the way, just to take it back to Disneyland. Was like, ooh, but I want to have fun too. <laughs> yeah, of course. And we did. We got our moment, you know, like we got our time where we could just like be silly and go all out and have a blast. And and I think that was like, even though it was a moment in time, it was a moment that we got to cherish. And something I was talking about too, like on our mentorship call last night with our team, um, of just the anticipation and the excitement that goes with, you know, running around this like theme park. You have so much stimulation, so much going on. It's kind of similar to, I guess you could compare it in the adult life to like getting ready to go out or getting ready to deliver on a big project. And then all of a sudden, like you get there and you have to sit in line for 45 minutes, 30 minutes. So you're like, yes, 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 yes. Okay, wait. And life makes us freaking do that. It's like, I know you want better stuff. I know you want more for yourself. I know you want to grow, but you're going to have to wait in this line for 45 minutes and it's going to be a big pause. You're not going to see results for a while. It's going to be pretty uncomfortable. But like once you load the ride and you get on, shit's going to be real good. Well, this reminds me of talking about the journey, not the goal, because we're always so focused. Like, for example, when we we're celebrating you and we're going on all these trips and just celebrating. It's like the anticipation to go on that event or have that, whatever it could be, anything you go, you're like, Oh, I know we have like this dinner together or it's like the whole week. You're just kind of holding on to this fun thing, this fun, shiny thing that's going to happen. Right. And it's the same, the same, um, what's the word metaphor, I guess, because it's, everything in life. It's like that ride that we did together was like, what, one minute. And, you know, even if, <laughs> even when you're on a trip, like everything is, is temporary, right? So even the trip, even the joy, even like the ups, the ups that you crave so much, like we're just like always wanting that up and that good feeling, but it's like, it's not realistic. Like you'll suffer so much if you actually are always striving for that state, because that's, that's not, how things work. There's ebbs, flows, ups, downs, left, right, whatever, diagonal. And we really chase the good so much. Yeah. Well, and I would love to see like us as a culture be like a little more okay with the not good, you know? And I know that's like, I feel like that's a really fucking tall order these days, you know, cause we're in such a state like at least the last week for me, and I know I'm not alone. Like every time I get out of a client meeting or out of a call, I have like 28 messages or 28, you know, new emails. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, and it takes such a deep breath and a pause for me to get back to every single thing. And 
um, for me reali realizing lately like my peace is worth so much more to take a step back and like I'll respond when I respond even if it's a day late, two days late. Um, it's just been really building and piling but we have an idea I think along with what you said is that once we get somewhere, or once we get to that thing that everything is going to be uh, all gravy and it's good and that's, that is always what we're striving for and looking towards but what specifically in this moment can we find gratitude for? Can we find a sense of contentment for even if like literally nothing is going our way? And so I think you and I see this a lot in the work, like with um, our incredible community, like we'll have people like down and out, like we don't hear from them for a while. And then we check in on them and they're like, bro, my life's like hell right now. Like I have been navigating so much with work things are crazy i don't think i could ask one person on the planet right now like how you doing or at least in my in my viewpoint of the planet of who i interact with how you doing and them not say like work is so crazy and so in that at the end of the day you're supposed to well you're supposed to work first of all then at the end of the day you're supposed to still have moved your body in some way eaten three nourishing meals like showered and taken care of your hygiene plan time for friends and family and then allowed yourself to have me time and like journal and meditate and do all that other self-care shit. So it's like, where's the beginning? Where's the end? And um, a lot of what I think we're experiencing, at least in my opinion, that's been up for me a lot in my viewpoint is this pendulum with COVID of like, it swung one way really hard of, hey, either you're, most people are either working, not working or working from home or like, don't have a full schedule and you could just FaceTime anyone at any point and you know they'd answer. And then the pendulum had to swing the opposite direction and it's like there's so much catch up to be had. Like I remember one of our students being like, hey, um, I'm so stressed out right now. I have like seven projects back to back. We're trying to get it done. And then the next day being like, oh my God, half my projects got canceled because there's like a bunch of um, a bunch of boats like out in the port in Long Beach that have all of our products. So like we can't even launch things because there's so many delays from this pandemic. So like, I'm so grateful that I don't have to do this project right now. And it gives her enough room just to breathe, let alone to do all the other things that we need to do to take care of ourselves. And I'm not even talking about cultural expectations. I'm saying like, there's a bare minimum baseline of what we actually need. So I guess where I'm going with this is how do we show up when we're inside of a tornado? Because the tornado seems to be the OG baseline for a lot of us at this moment in time. How do we do it? How? How? Help. Help. Well, Someone help. I just took a deep breath. That helps most of the time. <laughs> oh, let's do that together, okay. everyone. Inhale. Exhale away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Again, inhale. Oh, yeah, exhale. I hope if you're in your car or wherever the heck you are in your life, that felt good. It's so funny because <laughs> I went to lunch yesterday with my boss and I said something like, I think she was just recognizing that she, she was like, yeah, this walk to the restaurant and back to the office. She's like, that counts as exercise today. And I was like, it's... Oh, hell no. I was like, it sure can't. Well, it was like a speed walk, okay? Just just hold on. Let me get to the point. And I was Fair. like, I was like, 
yeah, that, that can work for you today. And I said something that was like, you know, sometimes you just need to take a breath and that's all you can do or something to that note. And she was, I was like, I looked at her and I said, is that too woo woo for you? And she's like, that's a lot for me. She's like, I'm just really like type A and this and that. And I was like, what I wanted to say, but instead I chose to just be quiet and give her space. But what I wanted to say was, oh, I get you. Like I used to be just like you. And it didn't even serve a purpose. So I didn't say anything. It had added no value because her perceptual position was, is what it is. Um, and so I just thought it was really interesting because when we were breathing <laughs> right now, um, it's just really so simple sometimes um, just to pause and not react to things. But to your point of the tornado, how do we function? I think we look at it and just decide that it's not going to dictate our own pace, even though we're in this vortex. Yeah, but like the magnetic forces are fucking real, you know, and and I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's rare and it's challenging and it takes a lot of extra effort and energy that many people are many of us have already expended and we're already at our breaking point where we're like, shit, I got to do more to feel better about this. Like, I don't want to do more. I want to do less. I think your recognition of this is simply because you know the polarity of it because if COVID never occurred, we would have never had to sit still and sit in our part of my French shit. And so because we all functioned at a way different pace before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and we're like, hold on. Right. So I don't know. I just think it's perspective that now we have choice to say, I don't want to go back to that craziness, but what does it look like if we don't go there? Because the days that I'm there with the meetings back to back, You've seen me. I'm a freaking nutcase. Yeah, but the polarity is bigger than it was before, you know? Like, I think before... And not that I would have given up any of this for any other way of being, right? But before, it just, like, felt a lot different. And granted, like, we were all guilty of being in the rat race, and it's not like we're, like, enlightened human beings now. But there's a differentiation between the way we were operating and the way we're operating now. And it's not like now is back to the way it was. It's like now is way more extreme, than it was. And I do want to circle back to what you said. It's actually really simple um, because it does get lost in translation how how simple, how easy it is to find small solutions because something is better than nothing. I think we get really mixed up in the, I want to do it all. I want to make it all happen. And if I'm not full on with a whole hour workout or if I'm not full on with like a bubble bath once a week and I'm checking that box. We're just like, fuck it. I'm just going to like not do any of it. So I do think that simplicity is something we need to be reminded of often so that we can lean into the simplicity and find like, what is the easiest thing I can do right now that would make the biggest impact and support me the most? 
And even what I just said is like what we call empowering questions. A lot of times it's, how am I going to get all this shit done? Versus what is one thing I can do right now that would add value to my state of being? The first thing that came to mind for me when you're talking about that is a conversation I had a really quick exchange in the car. I went to pick up the kids from my mom's house and Isabella has a friend who's a vegetarian and she wants to be vegetarian at least once a month. And so she was like, yeah, so like, so I can't eat fish. And she's like, I just had all these questions. Like, so she made a choice based on information she didn't really have. And I said, you can make anything happen. It's like, whatever works for you, you take that. And then I started listing the different types of you know, there's pescatarian, there's lacto-ovo, there's vegan. And I just was telling her the differences. And I said, you choose what's best for you and what's best for your body and whatever makes you feel good. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because even at such a young age, we're just influenced and programmed to not recognize our own needs. So if we sit there and we ask ourselves would you call it probing questions or something of that sort? Empowering questions. Empowering questions. <laughs> Open-ended empowering questions. Sometimes we don't even sort of questions. We don't even know what the answer is. If we're not in while tune. That, while that's true, I think that there's a way to frame the question. Yes, of course, being in tune. That's like, hello, you have to be aware. But I think there's a way to frame the question by the contents of the question to give you nothing but a positive answer. So like with my old boss, we, she used to do a lot of empowering questions and she would the examples she would use that were not fun, but like I know people run this story all the time is like, why are you such a fucking idiot? Like we ask ourselves that all the time. Or why are you so fat? Or like, why are you so stupid? Like, why did you say that? That was ridiculous. Things like that. And when you ask those types of questions, you get those type of answers, you know? So like, yeah, I'm so fat because I have no self-control or I have no ability to manage my relationship with food or whatever it is, you know, and asking yourself something different. For example, what can I give my body that will give me the fuel that I need today and also make me feel the comfort that I'm seeking through my previous unhealthy behavior with food? You know, like framing the questions that the answer becomes so obvious. It's like a rhetorical question that you don't even need to give an answer to. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, because like, oh, I'm going to go drink coffee. I'm like, wait, you've had no water today. <laughs> and I stop myself. <laughs> yeah. Stack that up. Mm -hmm. But like you just said, like, oh, let's take a deep breath. Oh, that felt so good. That was so simple. And it's so simple. <laughs> so where are we at with that? Deep breath more often, all the time. So healing starts with a deep breath. Yeah. Can we say that? Yeah. I mean, yes. Healing starts with, first of all, awareness that something has a need that's not being filled. Right. And that's, that's a pretty far jump to say that that's what it is. But I find like if you look at a physical wound, you know, whether it's bleeding or scabbing or something it's repairing itself, meaning it's using immunity and 
different blood cell tissue to repair itself. And sometimes it needs additional support like a neosporin or antibacterial wash or a Band-Aid or something else. But that it's like an unmet need, meaning something has been broken open or something has been um, punctured or something has been affected in a way that has an additional need in order to fulfill or support what that thing exactly needs. So with healing, first of all, the step is awareness. Like I'm aware that there's an unmet need here. I'm aware that there's a trigger here. I'm aware that something's going on that's bringing something up for you. Then with that awareness, you start to collect information. And then in that information piece is kind of where you get to assess, is this a wound that has been opened many times? Or is this a brand new wound? Or is this a layered wound that's like a more complex version of the last wound I healed that's a little deeper problem that I thought I took care of the symptom, but the disease or the the actual problem is a little bit bigger? And so in that informational assessment period, we get the chance to take in that information, understand it better, and then figure out like what we need to move forward with. What resources do we have to create that healing The problem, though, I think in that cycle is that we think that healing is supposed to lead to healed. And the ING, just like in anything in life that we're in process with, is the important factor because it keeps us present in the journey instead of looking forward towards the destination, looking forward towards Cabo, looking forward towards the bachelorette party, looking forward towards Disneyland, looking forward towards dinner. Instead, we're healing, we're processing, we're experiencing life now as it happens and as it's happening and it's never going to not happen and be happening. So we're waiting for something to be final when it's never final. It's like consistent change and consistent growth. So like I think making peace with the fact that it's healing, noticing, observing, not I'm healed, I've seen it and I noticed and that's it. Yeah. I was thinking that when you're saying that as it seems like a big part of that is everything that we do every day, which is movement and just meditation, everything that brings you to stay as present as possible because Anytime I catch myself um, always looking forward to, you know, some event or something else than what's happening right in front of me, I recenter by just being present. And so I think also a big part of healing is making peace with today instead of looking at tomorrow or hurting from yesterday. There's, there's a lot of bravery in having to be present. Yeah. And we're really brave in our lives in a lot of places. So if you're asking me or someone, hey, I need you to be present with something that's uncomfortable, that's triggering, that's like your deep wounds, that's like X, Y, Z. Why would anyone want to do that? We're like biologically programmed to like run away from discomfort and run towards comfort. So that comfort-based mentality, just like what you were talking about earlier when we were on the phone with um with hit class, Julia took my 30 minute hit class today. 
and she had already taken like, you know, a gentle yoga class with me in the morning and she was debating it, debating it. And then she did it and she was like, oh my God, I feel so good. These endorphins, this dopamine's got me lit. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you never regret it. But like, none of us want to do it. It's not comfortable. We don't want to be present in the shithole. We don't want to be present in the things that don't feel good, that don't look good, that don't provide instant gratification. Why would we do that? Yeah. Why would we do something that benefits us long-term when the short-term sucks? Um, and, well, because long-term's not up in our face. Right, short-term is. Right. Yeah. This morning, I actually went through this very long committee thing with myself. Where I was sitting on the couch. And Wait, can you, can you explain what the committee thing uh, is? Oh, yes. The committee, thing, the committee thing <laughs> is, um, it's just, it's essentially the thoughts and conversations you have with yourself and your brain. <laughs> um, and I do a check-in with myself like really frequently when I feel like not doing something just to know, am I creating excuses or am I um, listening to what I need right now? And so this morning I was like, you know what? <laughs> And I'm laughing because even as I'm saying it out loud, I can recognize it was excuses. <laughs> That's why it's so funny already. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking to myself, oh, I did yoga. I could just go for a walk <laughs> or just tidy up the house. And um, I was like, I don't need to do it. I don't. I can just be gentle with myself today. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to tell Ashley I'm not taking class. And then I knew when I texted you (laughs) that I was like, I know that if I can't fully confidently say I'm not taking class because of whatever, like I know I'm creating an excuse. So I know that when I text you and I'm making myself accountable, to a choice. You said I'm you said I'm 50/50. I'm like, uh, you mean you're 100 0. <laughs> but I did say perhaps, and that perhaps became a yes. <laughs> that's fair. And you never regret it because you did it and you felt so good. Well, and that's my whole point. Right in a- across the boundary of your comfort zone. And then you got rewarded after it. Yes, a lot of serotonin. I was real happy. Yeah, and I was happy too. So it made our relationship stronger <laughs> because I felt very supported by you. <laughs> it was a win-win situation, really. That's fair. How do we do more of that in our life? Win-win situations. Well, it depends on the situation. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so let's talk more healing. I also want to talk not only about the fact that you know, it's a journey, not a destination. The fact that we don't arrive and become healed. I think that community, coaching, friendship, like outside perspectives. And let me let me frame outside perspectives of people that don't have external motivation to tell you what to do. For example, outside perspectives that genuinely have your best interest at heart. 
I think that is a really key component to not just healing, but instead of to work on the same thing over and over again, and, and instead of progress with your healing, like that's a key factor that pushes you to the next level of your healing instead of let you run the same story and be like, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. Because as human beings, like we're achievement junkies. So we want that hit of relief of like, oh, wow, I made a different choice right now. And then we're chasing that versus chasing the feeling of what growth actually is. Because what happens is when we do work on, let's just say we're working on something. Um, let's find an example. So let's say I, I really work on, for example, when I'm interacting with my mom, watching my inner dialogue and my triggers because I can have that feeling rise up inside of me very easily. It doesn't take much. She could say one thing and it sets me off. And so let's say I'm working on healing this part of myself that has like disconnect or some sort of disc discord with the way that she shows up. The healing wouldn't look like me showing up to spend time with her only in the situations where it feels easy and good and then making sure she says everything that that doesn't set me off. That's not what healing is. That's I think that's what running the same cycle over and over and hoping for the best is. Healing in that situation is like, let's say I hang out with her, spend time with her a max like a five five times. The first time maybe I go into the situation with open expanded awareness and then something happens and I feel triggered and I immediately go to owning that trigger and asking myself, what about this is such a big deal? What about this matters so much? And not invalidating myself, but at least taking a bird's eye objective viewpoint on what's going on. Then I'm like, okay, what's her perspective? Where's she coming from when she says it? What is her intention and her meaning? Not the story and the intention that I've assigned based on my experience with her, but her intention based on what she's saying and what she's actually trying to convey through what she's saying and what's the underlying words from her side. Because she could say something that I'd be like, oh, say, this is some common thing she says to me a lot. Why don't you just come get a job at the Bay Club where I work out? Like she wants me to go like teach yoga there for like $20 an hour. And I get so fucking triggered. I'm like, you don't see me. Like I don't feel seen. I genuinely don't feel seen when she says that to me. And it's not that I'm like above it, but like why would I drive to the Palisades to do that? Like if you want private yoga, mom, I got your back. But you know, like that's not a good career move for me. And that feels like um, backpedaling and for me to feel like you think that that's what I would want to do makes me feel not acknowledged, seen or heard by you. Right. So that's my side. Her side is probably like, Oh wow. That would probably get her more clients. That would be a smart move. Then we could spend time together, like all these other things. But when we're in that interaction, we're operating from our perspective. So we don't always get the nuggets from what they're actually meaning. So if I'm like, Oh wow. She just cares about spending time with me. She just cares about like my success. So what if I show her the other ways that we could do that? That feels good for both of us, for example. And so without that pause, that first time I'm spending time with her, that investigation of the trigger, the underlying of the meaning, I wouldn't have that information. So I wouldn't be able to show up with love. I just show up with defensiveness. So maybe the second time I show up, I have that information. And then the lens I'm showing up with I'm receiving her more as someone with good intentions that actually cares about me instead of the judgment from my trauma, my traumatized perspective or my story. Then the third time, maybe I go in and like I fuck up and I blow up at her altogether. And then maybe the fourth time I go in and I'm like a perfect angel and it's so easy to be around her because I'm only seeing her love for me and that's it. 
And then the fifth time I go in there and it's like a mishmash of both of them. That to me is like healing because I'm aware of what's happening. I'm processing what's happening. I'm making active attempts to catch myself in the moment. I'm having conversations with myself about owning my triggers and things that don't make me feel good when I'm around her. Because if I'm the one that doesn't feel good, it's my responsibility to feel better, not to make her change. So just to bring this example into more practical application, like I think parents are like always a fun place to start because it's so easy to be triggered by them uh, or even any family members in general. Um, But to take this idea of healing is a process, it's not perfect. And we're always making attempts to grow and expand. um, we, We can start to have a bird's eye view. I have another example, but I want you to respond first. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Mothers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a mother, so you get it. I don't think I got it until I actually became a mother. Like. That's what I hear these days. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I found like really the level of healing with my relationship with my mom and started seeing her as a human, not as my parent solely um, until I became a mom because I just found so much compassion towards um, like experiences that I could deem traumatic or just how I lived through my perspective as a child or um, just anything, anything that had to do with my relationship with her wasn't really fully healing until I became a mom for sure. It's just, you can relate right to, as you struggle through things that you never knew existed in this new chapter of life, having to fully take care of someone else and completely, um, responsible and this being is reliant on you in every shape and form from, you know, getting food and shelter and being changed and all that. Um, yeah, you just, it becomes, your parent becomes more human and you find a lot of compassion. I just find in my own experience, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And even like we had, when we had your mom on the workshop we did last weekend, it was, I mean, obviously for so many people, it was so powerful. We did like a three hour virtual women's, uh, workshop and obviously we had all women on and, um, I don't think there was a dry eye in the zoom call of any single person that was on there. Just listening to Jules's mom speak about, her worthiness and her desire to feel loved and her programming of what her parents used to tell her growing up and how that affects her choices and her self-esteem and all these other things. It was like so incredibly humanizing. It was so profound. It was so powerful and just amazing. And it reminds us that every single one of us is on a healing journey, no matter what part of the healing journey we're on, no matter what piece we're on, we have to be patient and loving with each other in the process of what other people are experiencing as well as ourselves. Yeah. And I think like, that's where it's at. Like, you know, you were talking about 
um, before you gave that example about the five different, you know, not steps, but the five different times of interaction with your mom, as an example, you're talking about, you know, how community and external factors influence and um, are supportive towards, you know, your healing journey. And I think that that's a, you know, what you just mentioned is just such a prime example, because I think anytime we have workshops or retreats or any programs that we are interacting and people are just so raw and vulnerable, like not just the person conveying their story or their trauma is healing. Everyone is, you know, you're Mm -hmm. crying for a different reason, right? Whether it's, you know, like in this example of the virtual workshop, it was like me, I was crying because on a human level, like I could relate and like so much of what she struggles with is what my own trauma is. And then, you know, ricochet, like that whole ripple effect too. Like, I'm sure for you, you're like, oh, I know like so much makes sense about Julia and like just every it's the healing is it's, it takes everybody. Right. And you never know what someone's story will do for you or what your story will do for someone else. And that's why when you mentioned community, um, before you even start talking about what you did, it made me think about that because we learn so much from each other. Yeah. Big time. And I'm glad you mentioned that too, around sharing because sharing is a part of healing and we can go through really difficult journeys. Like we have one student who's incredible. She's one of my private clients. Um, she went through stage four cancer and um, having a surrogate for her second baby because she couldn't carry anymore because of it and all this deep, deep stuff. And then she lost her dad and then her grandma a week later. It like all happened really fast and um, she couldn't share with any of her friends. She would like go out with a wig. She didn't talk about it. She was never seen or met in her illness and supported in that space because she was so ashamed for everything she was going through. And she was felt like she had to be such a private person. And when she came to our program, like sharing in that room, I watched her. It was almost like a, an aura of a spirit, like lifted off of her body and was elevated into spirit or universe, you know, because she, she had shed a layer just by being seen. And she's like, wow, it feels really good to just say what I've been through and not be afraid to hide it. Um, and to have that, that shame around it. So yeah, I mean, (laughs) yes, like just owning what you're working on or owning the fact that you're in recognition that there's something needs to be healed is healing in itself. And it's a really powerful example. I love that. You gave me chills just like reliving that story because well, besides the fact that I was in that room, but what I was thinking about is once we speak something into existence, it's like you're accountable for it and it becomes real. And oh yeah, I'm sure for her that was liberating and terrifying at the same time. But um, yeah, just like shared experiences are so fundamental to our human experience on so many levels. Not just on a relatability standpoint, even for a sheer accountability standpoint. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Okay. So the next example that I have for healing or like thought that could be relatable to is like when we choose partners, um, especially if we haven't really processed a lot of our 
um, our stuff, whether it's like our relationship with the parent of the opposite sex or relationship with um, previous experiences in relationship or a traumatized event that happened. For example, um, I had a lot of uh, like just a few experiences of sexual abuse when I was younger. And so when I chose partners, I was more so looking for partners that were um, cool and would accept me and were like the bad boy because I felt like the love and affection that I deserved was in the form of abuse because that was like my wiring and my programming around it. And so I showed up to a few different relationship after relationships of experiencing that same process again because even though I knew it was damaging me, I also knew it was familiar. So the familiarity and here we are back at comfort overrode the need that I had for healthy relationship or even to investigate it, to be honest. And everyone around me could see it, but, and I could see it too. I just was unwilling to, um, to prioritize my well being. So, um, having said that, it's not that I'm quote healed now, but I've learned a lot about, uh, my standards in relationship and, and what love actually is supposed to feel like. Uh, in the sense of what makes me feel good, not supposed to feel like in the sense of what other people think. Um, so much of what we're taught is through the lens of others. When love and healing is something we feel, it's it's a subjective thing. We feel it ourselves. So we have to be able to experience it in the way that we know is healthy and, and good for us, not in the way that's healthy and good for someone else's interpretation of what it looks like. So we'll see that people having the exact same, like a lot of us that have single friends or even in communities, uh, people will show up with the same dating stories with the same type of guy showing up of like, or, oh, they ghosted me or, oh, I really like them. And they're like not responding or, oh, they're overwhelming me or, oh, they're so affectionate and they're just crazy about me. It's like too much. I have a stage five clinger, like all these different interesting perspectives we have. And yet, the best way to find healing from that and to break cycles is to be aware of patterns when they happen. When you're talking about that, what came up for me is that essentially until we decide that we want to heal, meaning until we decide that we want to put ourselves first, because at the end of the day, we're like, literally that's the best relationship that we could ever foster. But until we realize that and until we decide to heal, we're actually just looking everywhere else but ourselves for love and life essentially. Because when you're talking about how you chose previous partners that, um, you know, kind of, matched your experiences and um like what came up for me is that it's what you were saying from my perception sounded like you chose everybody but yourself until you decided that that was no longer acceptable and that's when you start to heal and even though most of us don't really have that level of awareness around this is happening exactly how it's supposed to be because this is teaching me a lesson. And I'm sure when you were going through that, you weren't thinking in that way per se, but we don't really see that everything is a lesson and it's happening 
to guide us to wherever we're going. And wherever we're going is where we're supposed to be. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder too, it's like, what is the thing that gets people to say, I'm ready to put myself first. I'm ready to heal or I'm ready to process or I'm ready to work on this thing. Like how big does it need to get? What's the straw to break the camel's back? And there is no formula. There is no equation that's going to give you that answer. And that's to me, what reminds me so much of the universal power, God power, divine, um, the uni shout out (laughs) that's always taking care of us. That's like, Hey, like you might not be ready here, but there's a divine path here. Maybe you need to sit in this a little longer. Like there's no rhyme or reason of that we know of, but there's a shit ton going on that we don't need to know about. And we don't have to have a say in. we just have to show up to what we're called to. So if you're called to heal something and you ignore it, you're going to be in discord. If you're Work If you're running a cycle over and over and you're not called to heal it, you're not going to be in discord. You're the only one that's fine with it in the room. You know, like when you're fucking up and everyone around you is like, bro, you're fucking up. And you're like, I'm not fucking up or I'm fine. I got it. <laughs> you're the you're the not in discord. Everyone else is pissed, but you're not. So even if your life isn't as good as it could be, nothing's tapping you on the shoulder to fix it. And then when it does and you choose not to step into it, you're in discord. You're pissed because you know there's something better for you. But if you don't know, you're just like ignorant bliss. You know, you're like, okay, I'm just doing this thing. It's not a problem until it's a problem. It's unconscious incompetence, right? Hell yeah, girl. (laughs) Look at you knowing all about the four stages of learning. I am. I'm laughing because before we got on, I was reading a page from the surrender experiment and it talks about like people who, you know, how you wake up and you're like, Oh, I can't believe it's raining today. Cause I have to do this. Or it said something else that was like an inconvenience or, Oh, I better get that raise because I need the money. Those were the two examples they gave in the book. And it was funny to me because it reminded me how like self-centered we are when like we're not in control of anything and like we're so pretentious to think like things should be the way that are that is convenient to us to us and our standards that is not even maybe the best us or the best standard by the way right it's just based on our self-perception. Right. So that the why I'm laughing is because it's like, yeah, I mean, call it universe, call it divine, call it God, whatever you want to call it. I don't, I really don't care. But we're all talking about the same thing here at the end of the day. It's like, we're not in control of the destination at the end, essentially. And I don't know one person that is, that has it figured out, that is in control, that knows exactly where they're going and what they're going to end up with. We can have hopes and desires and we can manifest and intend for things, but there is a fine line between taking action on your healing and surrendering into what is just supposed to be. And the bridge between the gap, I think is meditation. I think like when you meditate and you have a regular practice, it gets you a lot more clear on what you're supposed to let go of and what you're supposed to step into. But unless you're listening, you're too busy talking. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. So many things, so many good nuggets here. Um, so in summary, there is no summary. <laughs> um, healing is a journey. It's a process. I am, and I find the most peace when I am most excited about the experience of healing versus being healed. Um, it keeps me humble. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me open-minded. Um, it's not linear, meaning it's not one place to the next in one straight line. It's up, it's down, it's left, it's right. It's And it's all over and it spins and it moves and it's uh, it's a target that none of us have to necessarily hit to feel the benefits of growth, of healing, of processing. Um, and there's nowhere to go. We're right here. Like we're living this day. Like we're never gonna have this day again. Today is November 11th. I don't know if it will be when you hear it. Actually, it won't be when you hear it. But today is November 11th. 11, 11, 11. I know. And there's never gonna be another November 11th, 2021 at 12.05 p.m. again. So what are you missing? And, and w- 10 years, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you could look back and just be like, oh, maybe I remember that day. Maybe I don't remember that day. But at least I can see the journey of my life was filled with experiences and moments when I was humble enough to heal instead of arrogant enough to push things away that I'm being called to. This reminds me, and I want to close out on a quote. It's not even, it's not a, it's not a big quote, by the way, but. Oh, look at you downplaying yourself with your worthiness. Shut you know what? Off, it's a great quote and I'm just going to leave it here. How about that? Um, I like that. that I want to say it's from Atomic Habits, but I'm not sure. But the quote is, if you're not evolving, you're stagnant. So every day your goal should be to learn and evolve. And if you're not doing that, then you're in the hamster wheel, essentially. So what are you doing today that's different than yesterday? Not to achieve a goal, but that is evolving you. Yeah, totally. What are you doing today? So many things. I want to know. I'll tell you mine first because it's top of mind. Um, I'm working on being more patient in my relationship, but I'm also working on, um, like I love to go above and beyond for people, but I don't do it a lot for my partner because I'm like, uh, sometimes not resentful, but like, I'm just like, Oh, well, like we're already like together. Like I need to focus my energy somewhere else because that's my old way of being and way of thinking that I have to do something to get love. So investing more energy in special things, um, planning date nights, even if I feel like it's his job to do, like I'm going to step up and do that more. And that like means a lot to me. And I know that that effort will go a long way. So that's just one thing I'm doing today to get off the hamster wheel. Hmm. One thing I'm working on, I'm focused on right now is focused, focused is acceptance and surrender. So today I'm just, I have the day off. So I'm spending time with the kids. Yeah. Just being. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Mm, I love it. This was so good. This was so fun. It's always so fun. Yay. Always so fun, 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 fun. We love it. We love it. Um, Okay, darlings, hopefully we'll have a name for you guys soon on what the hell we're doing here. Um, Or we might not, but we'll see when we get there because this is unedited, unfiltered. Uh, just as it is. So uh, we are so stoked that you guys are 
here present with us and excited to have more and more conversations that expand on these topics. Love you. Bye.